Welcome to Coming Along Nicely. We're two brothers, Rich and Tim, who recently went back to school. Every week, we're discussing one thing we're learning in our classes, and we want to invite you to come along with us. Different environments can create depression. There's no guilt about, I should be doing more. You know, I've had to send blood through my body. We, We can make the argument to make whatever we want to be true, true. We do feel better when we sleep better. We do feel better when we eat better. We do feel better when we exercise. All right. So I'm still in my like treatment class where it's like, essentially you make a fake client and you're walking them through treatment every single week, uh, working on different modalities and also working through the different like forms that you would take this client through for like assessment it's it's a whole big thing um Question. it's actually been very interesting and yes so okay so i didn't realize that's exactly the way the class went so you are if you're walking one like hypothetical student if you're walking with them throughout this whole class does that mean that you're not attempting different types of therapy each week because that's what i thought you were doing so, yeah, so for the first like four or five weeks, it was and still it's just like reading about different like, hey, you're reading about depression and here are like effective and um, what's the word evidence based like treatment models for that. And here's like borderline and here is personality disorders and here are eating disorders and all these different things. So I'm still learning about the different treatment like methods. But then I think around week four, we came up with a hypothetical client and then like created a treatment plan for them and walked them through like different like paperwork steps. So it's a little bit of like both still it's learning, but it's also putting something into practice. Okay. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. So I figured I talk a little bit about the treatment model I've been using for my very specific client. Uh, So disclaimer. Um, I'm going to be talking about a treatment um, method for depression, and this is not the treatment method for depression. Like there's at least like six or seven of them. Uh, This probably isn't one of the most common ones. It is just one I used for my hypothetical client. So like, don't think that this will just copy and paste onto someone you know or onto yourself. Um, Please consult somebody else if you are feeling depressed, like talk to somebody else about that. If what you learned today does help you, awesome. But I am not, I'm not licensed. I am just reading stuff from my textbook, essentially. (laughs) So that is my disclaimer. Um, Anyway, so for my client, uh, my client was um, diagnosed with major depressive disorder. A moderate diagnosis, which is there's obviously like mild, moderate, severe. And for him specifically, I diagnosed or the treatment method I've been using is something called behavioral activation therapy or BAT for short. Um, So you've probably heard of cognitive behavioral therapy. That's a very popular and very um, evidence based treatment method that works with a range of um, different mental disorders. Uh, it focuses on the, I think we've talked about this before, like the ABC for, format, which is like your mind, 
you start to think a thought, then you start to believe the thought, and then that belief leads to a consequence. Right. Yeah. So, for instance, um, if you start to believe like I, no one will love me if I'm not productive, or that might be a thought is like I'm not worth anything if I'm not productive. So you start to believe that, and that belief leads you to like have all these different consequences that spill out of that dysfunctional belief. Um, behavioral therapy is where cognitive behavioral therapy therapy came from and it is just action consequence so it doesn't have the thought or the belief involved at all it is strictly a and like a leads to b um a very popular well-known behavioral therapy technique was the pavlov's dog experiment where like if you give a dog a treat and ring a bell then the dog will start to salivate um and this branch of their therapy, behavioral therapy, has some not great history uh, with performing very weird experiments to try to learn things about humans um, that nowadays people look back on and say, that's a that's a big oof. Um, well, but okay. I say all that to say, go ahead. I, so let me ask, because I, I was curious when you first said, so why did you or or okay i'm sorry did you choose behavioral what is it behavioral therapy yes behavioral activation therapy okay yeah why did you choose that over cognitive behavioral therapy if cuz like it seems to me like cognitive behavioral therapy was like an advancement or a development on it so why would you choose the mm-hmm. former good question um for my fake client Um, I thought that less of my clients, um, issues, less of my clients reasons where depressive symptoms were developing were because of beliefs. I thought they were more due to, um, just actions straight up specifically actions. Uh, So behavioral, yeah. Behavioral activation therapy, um, holds to the idea that depression can be an environment, can be an environmental system. Can be an, an environmental symptom that different environments can create depression. Um, so the therapy works to get uh, clients out of environments. And an environment can be like a home or an office, yes, but it can also just be like a wider system of understanding like certain patterns a client's just doing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So BAT um, is all about just getting clients through that process. And because in my hypothetical scenario, my client had opened up to their roommate about um, suicidal ideation, had never attempted, didn't have a plan, but opened up to his roommate about it. Um, I wanted to get into therapy and into action steps as quickly as possible with this client um, as a way of combating that suicidal ideation. Like, let's just make change as quickly as possible and then work from there. Um, so yeah. all that being, all that being said, uh, CBT is still very quick, not it's, and it's still a great treatment. Um, and I think I even listed, listed it as an, another treatment I could use, but I also wanted to do research on like BAT because, it just wasn't as well known as CBT, and I figured I'd learn from it. Yeah. So 
essentially what BAT would look to do is, um, well, I should say that I, I should say it this way. I didn't take BAT to my client and make it work. Um, I kind of made my client work for BAT. So I guess that's important to point out because I can't just point out why the therapy is so effective for my client because I kind of tailor picked it for my client. So yeah. my fake client is like a mid 20s something uh, college student. First time being away from home, uh, went to college late, played a lot of music and had a social group that was very musical. Um, parents were divorced at a young age. I was going to uh, say rocky it, relationships. It kind of until you said parents are divorced, it kind of sounds like you're describing me. No, 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 no. Uh, somebody I, I use sometimes I use people, but this one I just kind of made. I just kind of made up different things. Um, so he has a close relationship to his sister. Um, ever since moving away, he hasn't like spread that social group and he's stopped engaging in things like music, um, like uh, artistic drawing. Um and he's not been having like a good time at his job, but also hasn't been looking to change anything. So essentially, I kind of saw all of this and said, okay, it seems that it's not thoughts that are leading to this client's like depressive symptoms. It's like behaviors. There's been a he's stopped doing certain behaviors that once led to happiness. He's stopped hanging out with friend groups that once that once led to happiness. He's stopped engaging with family members that once led to happiness. So let's just push through the barriers that are like stopping those things from happening and re-engage those behaviors that were leading to non-depressive symptoms. Um, so it, it's kind of like I don't want to say it's basic from that, but it's very practical. Um, if you're like a type A person, like you're going to love behavioral therapy because it's like, okay, let's problem solve. Where can you like, where can you get involved in playing music in your community? Uh, let's go ahead and like do a little like, uh, like step one, two, three work where it's like, how do you feel now? Why do you feel that way? How can you feel different? Let's monitor your feelings before like, okay, let's schedule out two hours this week, one hour where you play guitar, one hour where you draw and let's monitor how you feel before you start doing it like 30 minutes in and like 30 minutes after and like do a lot of it. So it's very practical. In that regard, uh, actually, I think one thing that's that's really interesting and kind of why I wanted to work with it is most of the therapy techniques I've worked with have been very interested in thought patterns, interested in personality, interested in backstory and why someone is the way they are. Um, and behavioral therapy is not Um which I think also I'm very interested in those things. So I wanted to do something kind of different than what I'm like drawn to so I can see the merit of it and do it more. Uh, but there's a whole branch of therapy, uh, behavioral therapy. If you ever hear of a therapy technique being brief, like brief psychodynamic, brief 
uh, narrative therapy, like they specifically don't look at the reasons why someone is feeling the way they are. They don't they don't look you know, they don't look back, which sounds really corny to say, uh, but they're more let's pick a goal and let's work towards that goal. And it's actually wasted time and maybe even like opposite of the therapeutic, like it, it does the opposite of that we're trying to do in therapy to look back and dwell on the past. Instead, we should just push forward and learn new behaviors and learn new techniques and learn new coping mechanisms. So with BAT, that's kind of like the way I wanted to take it is like, let's not, you know, okay, cool. We could, we could spend time in therapy talking about how, oh, we've discovered that you're sad because you don't, you're not hanging out with your friends and you're not playing your guitar like you used to. Well, instead of spending time talking about those things, let's just problem solve and get you to do those things. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it like done like in person with a person instead of just like writing about it hypothetically. Um, also when like you write stuff for your client, I feel like the tendency is just to be like, yeah, and of course they all lived happily ever happily ever after. Um, so it's not my favorite assignment in that regard. Cause it just feels like everything works fine. And now my expectation is, Oh yeah, BAT works great. I should use it all the time. Um, right. That's you're kind, kind of, of, you're confirming for yourself that it works, but it's not like, it's not like a real, you know, science lab or anything where you also see the unintended consequences or exactly. the ways it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it is interesting because we've, we've definitely talked about like you and I and our different ways are both more disposed to like look at the deep thoughts or really really get under the hood and like think about things that sort of stuff but i do think hearing you say this about behavioral bat i keep forgetting the a but hearing hearing what you're saying about it it makes a lot of sense because i remember back in okay i want to say 2016 i think that's when it was do you remember when pokemon go came out oh yeah um how can i forget that was like a such a just incredible global moment like i i remember seeing all the videos in new york city where there's just people charging like mobs of people (laughs) running and people were freaking out trying to figure out what was going on and then you hear one of be like snorlax snorlax is that way uh but (laughs) When it came out, so I I don't know, I was probably like 20 years old or something, still living at home, like just out of school, starting to work, but like not really figuring out, you know, like when you're in school, you just do what you're told all day, you know? And so when you leave that environment, you kind of take some time to like figure life out a little bit. Uh, and I just hadn't done much of that. And so anyway, uh, I remember when Pokemon Go came out, I would get up and like walk around the neighborhood to catch Pokemon and to, you know, be the best there ever was. And Mm -hmm. I realized like, oh, wow, I really feel good when I'm up and like walking around outside, you know, and still to this day, 
one of my problems with like you know for example times i've when i've come back from school for the summer and like stayed back with mom and dad again the thing i hate about mom and dad's neighborhood but also down in florida where i was is that you can't just like get up and go outside and walk like mm, mm-hmm. when i run too i like to ride my bike and none of those things could i just like go outside and do i would have to like plan a time to go to a park or something and run and try to plan it around traffic and rush out and all these sorts of things. All of this is a really long way of saying like, I did learn funny enough from Pokemon go just like a straight up behavior and consequence. Like I get up, I spend time outside and I feel really good. And in that case, there was no like deep seated issue that I needed to go to therapy for anything. Um, Well, I guess I'm saying like, for me, that's an example where that sort of therapy would have worked. BAT. Yeah. Because sometimes like there are a lot of triggers. It's not triggers. There are a lot of things that can cause depressive symptoms that aren't necessarily, necessarily cognitively based. We do feel better when we sleep better. We do feel better when we eat better. We do feel better when we exercise. We do feel better when we're outside, you know, for at least 10 minutes a day. Um, I mean, those are like the basics. But I think sometimes therapy gets the, you know, reputation of being like, okay, well, if you're not feeling good, we're going to sit and really figure out why. And obviously, I'm not against that at all. Huh. But there's certain times where, like, if I would have sat there with my client and figured out why he's depressed, like, he's not necessarily getting better just because we're figuring out why he's depressed. Whereas, like, hypothetically, through my assessment, I made the call that, like, okay, he just needs to start doing some things that will make him happy. Like, his environment of, you know, you know, just kind of living at home with his roommate, not having any friends at college, not being around any of his friends at home not doing anything that kind of makes him feel alive, like is making him feel depressed. So we just change that. We we start changing those things and he will feel, he will feel better. Um, And of course, since it's my own made up client, he's feeling great. (laughs) Uh, Did you, I don't want to, you know, I hate to steer this back to myself, but I wrote something. This reminds me of something I wrote for the Substack uh, twice, actually. Do you happen to remember reading anything I wrote about McDonald's breakfast? Did you catch that one? Um, was it the idea that I think I do remember you were touching on how when it was available all day, people never got it at all. But yeah. when it was available only before like 11, people were motivated to go out and get it before 11. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the reason the way I think it's connected is like you're talking about, you know, these really what. So if I take the opposite position of like, okay, well, do you really need a therapist to tell you to eat better and exercise and sleep better? Uh, You know, like, isn't that, you know, I don't know, whatever. Well, the answer to that, I think, is like, 
Well, no, you might not need that. But also, if you're not doing well, then maybe you do need that. And on an individual basis, there's one way to talk about it. But on like a society-wide basis, uh, and this is what I talk about in that article, is our world right now, like there's so little received... So in in poetry, we would call it received form, where like there's a certain amount of syllables that you're trying to fit into, or there's a uh, end rhyme or rhyming schemes. Our lives today have so little like received order that it's entirely possible to be like an otherwise healthy functioning adult, but then realize like, oh, but one part of my life is way out of whack. Like I just never see my friends or I never play music with my friends in your client's case or like I in all these other areas I'm fine but I get no exercise because I work at home and Mm -hmm. so I don't have to get up and move you know so all these things that like if you're taking the position that oh well isn't that obvious like shouldn't everybody know this it's like okay well yeah not so fast because our life has just gotten so much like amorphous and blob like in the sense that you're really never like forced and guided to do anything. And so, yeah, it's easy to forget stuff. It's easy to drop stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense, that connection. No, I think, okay, let's play around with it. Cause I think I understand what you're saying. Um, because. Okay. So, Life used to be, huh, I actually kind of, okay, sorry. I, I've gone a million places in my mind and have said none of them out loud. Um, <laughs> so, Same. so here's where I went in my, in my mind palace. Um, so I was trying to think of like, and I think we, once again, this goes to how me and you always are. I started thinking about how life was hundreds of thousands of years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> A to Z. But, yeah. But, yeah. Yep. But. Life used to have, I'm not saying life was better back then, um, but life used to kind of be like you get up and you farm until it's sundown and then you stop. Um, Or you have like a certain job that you go do. It's very like, go do it, be done. Go like do it, come home. Um, And really the only people who have that more amorphous life is kind of what they want it to be would be like nobility and royalty, which like conversely, we see a lot of them being really weird, Um, which might be because like maybe not having that sort of pattern, like kind of lets them escape off into weirdness without having an idea of like what, you know, health and a win is Um, not saying that the other side of just working. I'm I'm not here saying like, just get outside and work all day and you'll be fine. Um, But to your point, I think because we can have so many different ways of defining what a win is for ourselves. Like maybe you take a lot of passion in a certain career. Maybe you take a lot of passion in a certain hobby. Maybe you take a lot of certain, maybe maybe you're like, I want to be this certain person and have these certain personality traits. And all those things are good. So you define those things as being what is successful for you. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that all those things are a one-to-one correlation with 
what is just like also healthy for you. And I'm not over here saying that I've got it figured out. I am I am not at a healthy weight, um, which is why I've tried to like pick up more biking and go on more walks and make sure exercise is a part of like what I'm doing. Right now, I work in food industry and I'm really thankful for it because it gets me up and moving. I'm like walking and carrying heavy things. I mean, heavy relatively, you know, big trays of food might not be heavy to everyone, but it's at least using my body for a significant part of my day. I'm thankful for that because I get home and I'm tired and, you know, I've had to send blood effectively through my body. So that makes me feel healthy. Now, when I get home, I don't necessarily feel like fulfilled. I don't don't know if I'm drawing this distinction. I might not have a sense of fulfillment, but I have a sense of like I've done something healthy that day. And if I go on a bike ride or if I play volleyball, like then I feel like exhausted and that's good for me too. And then I get the benefit, you know, something that I can do that I'm afforded and I'm grateful for is I can go and like do a pottery class or I can even like playing video games doesn't necessarily do it like doesn't fulfill me in that same sense. So sometimes I go out and I just like go on a walk, but I do things that make me feel then fulfilled. But it doesn't necessarily like pottery doesn't make me healthy. Like I'm just sitting there. Like, I, I, am I making sense? I don't know. I Maybe you can clean up this point for me. Oh, no, I think you are. Can I, can I tap you in to clean up the point? <laughs> I think it's like. So so kind of. There's a school of thought, and I'll use this as an example for what you're saying. There's a school of thought that uh, people draw back that uh, when, like, America's obesity epidemic started is Mm -hmm. when, I think the quote is, when we lost the need of a useful walk, Uh, meaning it used to be that you could get up. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just opening up more cans of worms. Uh, I, yeah, you you call it. You tapped me in, and I feel like I'm gonna go on the same train of thought that you were. But when I when I was in Italy, uh, we would get up and we would walk places because we could, and a lot of places compared to America. A lot of places there have more, not even strict, but they they just have like normal business hours, you know, like this place closes in the evening at six or eight or, you know, a lot of places there close at 12 or two. And when your society has more like built in rhythms like that we all like the idea of being able to do anything we want whenever we want but actually the limits you're then forced to work within them and then you're able to uh you're able to look back on your day and say you know what with the with the constraints i had i lived the best day i could and so that's kind of two thoughts there. That's more the time piece. There's also mm. like the getting up and moving piece, um, which you were talking about. But yeah, so so like the example going back to that essay I wrote, like the example I use is not even going back that long ago, but just when we were kids, 
I remember times when uh, we'd like, you know, mom would pick us up from school and it was like, okay, the bank and the grocery store both close at five and I've only got time to go to one. And so when you hear that, hypothetically, maybe you're like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, it's so great that we have 24-7 everything. And yeah, you're probably right. But when you have, when you're faced with that scenario, like, I have to pick what's most important, it forces you to pick what's most important. And then you go home at six and you're, you know, eating dinner with your family and there's no guilt about I should be doing more. Because at the end of the day, everything's closed and you made the best decision that you could. Does that say it any more clearly? And so so right now, when we have everything available 24-7, it's really convenient. I'm totally not fighting against that. But like I've got a lot of things. I've got a, a list of to-dos to do before I leave the country next week. And it's honestly really hard to know, like what to do when and prioritizing things. And also it's just hard to shut off at night because I have this feeling like, because you have a list. Yeah. I could be up on like I had doing so my much banking. time. I could have gone and done. Yeah, yeah. I could have done any of those things at any point. I didn't accomplish what I should No, that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, and it goes back to your point, your wonderfully written point that everyone should go back and read on Substack. That's right. Uh, which is like, because we can kind of do anything at any time. Like that then means it falls on us to do anything at any time. Yeah. Like to your point with the bank, if the bank closes at four, well, then it's less on me to get there whenever I feel convenient. It's more, it, it puts more pressure on me to, well, I'm going to get there then. Like I, I have to move around my schedule to do these different things. And this might be a thing that maybe affects where us, where we're at, you know, maybe there's a listener who's like a, like a student in high school, like your, your schedule might be more made up. I mean, now it's summer. So, Hey, maybe apply this to your summer or maybe like someone's out there, they work a more like a traditional, like 40 hour week job, which like, Hey, I missed that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so, so maybe for us specifically where we're at with the freedom, like it's, something good to be aware of like hey the downside of having freedom in your schedule is like that means you have to be the one to do things um but i think like okay so the two approaches the two therapeutic approaches to take with that though is you could go very behavioral therapy which is like what do i want to do and i will make myself do them which is like a very just disciplined approach to it um which like I've always kind of bucked against. I don't I don't like the strictly disciplinarian approach of like, I'm just going to buckle down and go and do a thing. Um, which I wish I was so much. I wish I was more type A. Um, but the there's also a method that I heard from a friend of mine that I really liked. Um, and also uh, the girl I'm dating really like her, by the way. She's awesome. But she kind of talked about something similar which is like creating instead of creating like specific goals of like, I'm going to do this for this amount of time and really get disciplined and do it. It's more of like creating like more whys than what's 
It's like, what type of person do you want to be this year? My other friend called it like creating a terrace for life. Like, you know, if you want to grow like grapes or a fruit, sometimes you construct a terrace and then the fruit grows around the shape of the terrace. So Hmm. like, what type of shape do you want your life to have? Then follow that. And that type of idea has helped me some with the scheduling. Now, that being said, um, nope, I'm not going to say some of those things because that would just be very embarrassing for me. But I did buy three pairs of shorts this week, and it's been a long time since I've bought three pairs of shorts. So sometimes you do just need to go and do a thing, even though stores are open all day. Um, And it's very easy for me to not do those things. But I think that has less to do with depression and more just to do with my forever rage against the clothing industry. Against buying clothes. Um, Yeah, you do hate that. Against buying clothes. Uh, Yeah, and I do just want to, like, I want to bring it back to the point about, uh, like, why I I brought all this up in the first place is, so to use that terrace example, I think that's a great, I think that's a great example. And how I... How the reason I brought this up out of therapy is like when everybody is building their own terrace, like none of us are going to get it perfect. And that's how Mm. somebody could end up in need of like a very behavioral type of therapy where it is just like, hey, in this case, you you don't have any deep seated issue that we need to work on. But I'm just I'm just another person. I'm a counselor looking at you saying you're missing this part of your terrace. You know, so I I don't know. I'm obviously not the one studying this. You are. But I, I think like it's interesting that you bring this up because just the same thing we said already, like I think of I hear therapy and I think of all the really like deep let's grab a shovel and, and go type of stuff. So this is, I don't know, this is like an interesting uh, type of, it's like a fresh approach that I'm hearing. Yeah. Well, even like, okay, so to what you were just saying, I think my client has a terrace. Um, they're, they're in school. They're getting good grades. They have an idea of how they want to be musical, how they want to be artistic, how they want to have close relations. So they have the terrace constructed. Um, it, to use the whole growing the plant analogy, they're just not watering it mm. or they, they're getting really good grades. Sure. Which is good. That accomplishes something on their terrace. But going back to what you were saying, when you're talking about Pokemon go and going on walks, like they've just forgotten some of the basic steps, which I think is what I was trying to say with the whole schedule thing. When I started getting really weird and off into the weeds, is like because there's so many different ways for us to like win, you know, going to school and getting good grades is a win. You know, having a hobby that you really enjoy is a win. Um, like working from home, like for me, work like being able to do schoolwork is a big part of my schedule and study and get good grades. Yeah, those things are awesome. But on days where I spend my whole day like studying, um, I have to be very careful because what my brain wants to do when it's done studying is like, oh my gosh, my brain is exhausted. I don't want to think or do anything else. Maybe I'll just play video games or watch Netflix. Like, I'm thankful though that 
and my girlfriends helped me a lot with this and just my friends and stuff like that. Like, okay, playing video games is cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's a nice way just to turn off. But like, I also need, I have, a, I have a body. So like, I'll feel better if I go on like a walk and listen to some music or if I like water my garden or do stuff like that. Like I could still have plenty of time to shut off. But like, just because I had my quote unquote win for the day of like, I studied all day today. I got so much schoolwork done. That is a win. That is a good way to spend time in my day. But I still like exist and have to like water the other parts of my life where I'm going to feel crummy, even though I shouldn't feel crummy. Does that, is that making sense? Like one part of my brain says you shouldn't feel crummy because you've accomplished something today. But then my, my actual brain and body feels maybe it's not even my brain it's just my body will then feel crummy because technically my brain says you've done an accomplishment but my body's like we've eaten like crap we slept like crap and we haven't seen the sun so i feel terrible Hmm. and if i'm not cognizant of it it's gonna feel really weird because the conscious part of myself my brain is gonna say well why am i not why do i not feel better you know, I'm doing these things that I knew I thought would make me feel happy. I'm going to school. I'm studying. Why don't I feel better? And if I'm not like if I don't have that body awareness, then I'm going to be like, well, maybe this maybe everything's just not working. Maybe this all isn't. I'm just going to stop caring about school because it's not making me feel any better when like, no, like I am aware that's making me feel good to go to school and to learn and to move towards this direction. But it also doesn't make me feel good if I don't take care of myself. Yeah. Which I think is what I was trying to say with like, there used to be a time when taking care of yourself, like our grandpa nicely, like there was a long time where taking care of himself and his family was literally farming. So you're out in the sun, exhausting yourself, working with your body to like feed your family. So you're hitting the one checkbox of like doing what you want to do. And doing things that make you feel like you've spent your day well and also treating your body well. And it's like it's more of a balance. Whereas if you have a schedule or a job or a career that is more like, yeah, I, you know, like I think our mom's doing really good at this because she's an accountant. And she'll always I can even remember when we were younger, like she'd always go on walks or stuff like that. She'd work in the office all day and then she'd like go on a walk or do something like that because I think she had that awareness of like. I work on a computer all day and that is good. It's something I need to do, but I also exist in a body that needs to be cared for. I don't know. Yeah, no, it is funny how like becoming an adult creeps up on you. Cause I do remember (laughs) at my first job, like, you know, I was just a young motivated kid out of high school. And yeah, when you look around at, older people or older at the time, at least who place an importance on, yeah, getting up and walking at this time or having like the stuff on their desk in a good way, having, you know, like a good environment or, uh, you know, it might be a lunch ritual or even just stuff as simple as like, sometimes you're like, man, why do those two people always get up and like talk? for so long and you know there there's the extreme sense where maybe it's like (laughs) 
you shouldn't be talking on the job so much. But there's also the point that, yeah, I think we're both getting at, which is like, sometimes you have to, uh, like you figure out over time what makes you work. And it's actually not like always a waste of time to do all of these things. And it's also not like, uh, I think the impression I had is like, you know, who cares what your office looks like? You know, like I would set it up one time when I moved into the office and make it look like fine or whatever. But I wasn't the type of person who would like make sure this was left in exactly the right spot and all of that. But but you realize over time that like, oh, yeah, there's there are multiple things that are important. And you can use the terrace analogy or like a balanced diet analogy but you figure out what those things are that, yeah, it's like I'm taking care of myself as a whole person. And overall that actually helps the individual parts too. Is that at all what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I think that there's well, like, and like just acknowledging too, like you might have the larger goal of success is like creating this certain music, creating this certain art, getting this certain job, doing this certain study, like something that's more disconnected from your body, learning a certain skill, learning a certain thing. And that is successful for you. Like go and do that, but also be aware that if you get that thing without taking care of yourself, you're going to get the thing. You're going to like put in all those numbers into a spreadsheet. You're going to package up all those things to send out that you've created. You're going to have a really successful website or edit a video and it's going to look great. You're going to have these things and that is success, but you're also not going to feel good because you live in a body and haven't done good things. And so you have to also do that. And that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it, it does. I also think it like, it, I guess the way, wait, to summarize that, you might you might succeed in what you want and what is considered like a good successful win, but still feel like a failure, not because you failed, but because your body just feels crummy. Yeah. So so two thoughts. One is I just want to acknowledge I think that it can reverse. I think it does reverse depending on if you're if you're like a knowledge worker or like a physical labor, if your work is like physical, mm, true, because I heard somebody say a long time ago, and I think it's super true. Like if you work in your head, you need a hobby with your hands. If you work with your hands, you need a hobby in your head. Like that's oversimplifying it, but just throwing that out there. But I do think there's an interesting idea that in therapy, in like philosophy and you know theory and all of these things there is a question of like how much of it is how it it, say you feel bad and that can mean a million different things but you feel bad in these field fields not feels fields (laughs) uh there is an interesting question of like how much of what we're doing is telling ourselves something to make us feel better. How much of what we're doing is telling ourselves what we need to hear to do something different. 
to feel better and like how much of it is you feel bad because you were told something wrong and all of these things can play out and i think it's just a i think what i'm getting at is like it's really hard to actually ever know which one it is you know what i mean i can i can try to think, explain it better if, no 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 i think i think i get what you mean because like all those things can lead to you not feeling I don't know why I want to say the word optimally, so I'm going to say it. You're not feeling optimally, but there's also so many different resources trying to fix those things that like you might try to fix something with the wrong thing and then it further like makes you feel worse because you're like, okay, I tried something else and that didn't work either. So like, great, great. Now it's really a problem. There's something really wrong with me. Um. Yeah, hmm. with ideas though. Cuz I mean like uh I see people on on you know Twitter or online or whatever where you can see it where okay, so here's here's one kind of archetype. It's the person who grows up in faith and then they get older and they leave Person A, they grow older, they leave, and then, you know, they realize that they're not fulfilled. All of these thoughts they thought they had, you know, maybe don't hold as much water as they thought. Like you're saying, they don't feel as good. Um, and so, so for a variety of reasons, then they come back to faith. And let's just make it like an extreme example. Let's say they grew up like super conservative. Then they go out and like live a, you know, somewhat wild life. And then they come back and become like super trad again. Like I'm very conservative and like live by the rules and all of this sorts of stuff. And I'm super fulfilled. Person B grows up in faith and they leave and they say, I feel better than I've ever felt. And they look at person A and they say, the only reason you think you're happier is because you heard the wrong thing. Like you were conditioned the wrong way. And, and there's just all these things where it's like, I guess what I'm getting at is I won't put this on therapy, but I will put it on theory. Like I think a lot of times what we do is we're just, we, we can make the argument to make whatever we want to be true, true. Mm. You know, like it can be, it's, it's really just whatever, whatever I want to justify, I can, you know, like, well, now I feel good because I returned to what is good. Or now I left what I learned as a kid and I feel kind of crummy, but actually the fact that I feel crummy proves that I feel good. Like there's just all these sorts of hoops and, uh, that plays out in a whole bunch of different ways, but I, I do think it's funny. And I think that the thing that I like about therapy, about your field, is that I think there's like an intentional bringing together of, I guess, you know, you could say it a million different ways, but there's, you're intentionally trying to bring together like how you feel in your head and how you feel in your body 
And I think that probably more often than not, that's a healthier space to play in than I think sometimes more like writers and people like me can get just really lost in the sauce because we know how to throw words around and we know how to use ideas. And therefore, we can just come up with these super heady like justifications of kind of whatever we want. So I don't remember what got me on that thought, but oh yeah, it was you talking about like when you're when you're doing the right things but you still feel bad or you still like feel unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, it just does make you wonder like okay, so the fact that I feel unfulfilled is that a in in writing we'd call it like a trustworthy narrator. Like mm. it is is my own self telling myself that I feel bad. Is that a signal that I need to do something to make myself feel better? Or am I an unreliable narrator and I just need to ignore myself feeling bad and, you know, kind of push through it and saying that yeah. out loud? Like, I don't think that's normally the right response. But what, what well, do you that's, think? Yeah, that's the weird thing about my client with BAT is like I was talking with somebody else who's who's doing therapy and I was like, what do you think about BAT? You know, what do you think about behavioral activation therapy? And they were like, yeah, sometimes you just have to go out and do something you enjoy and take care of yourself. Like not all, but, yeah. but when you, when you hear that, that doesn't sound like something <laughs> therapeutic. That sounds like it's like, well, just quit obsessing over it. Quit thinking about how you feel and get out there and just do, just take care of yourself. But like, so obviously this, that approach doesn't apply to, it's not a band-aid that fix everyone, you know, that fixes everyone. But for some people like, yeah, that is the thing. Like, is that you do just need to go like, take care of yourself a little bit. Um, however, for other people, it is more of like a cognitive belief thing. And you might need to do some, like some cognitive behavioral therapy. You might need to figure out the beliefs that are leading to like, the consequences of your life. Um, so it it's very, man, it, it, there's so many different ways of figuring out. I guess I shouldn't say there's so many different ways. Um, but it's kind of, I think that's why it's important to know as a therapist to really do your intake and your assessment well so you can kind of figure out why your client is feeling the way they are so you can then help them in the most effective way possible. Is this a belief-based thing? Is this a behavior-based thing? Is this a family-based thing? Is this a, like, what is causing these certain things? Um, Because if not, you might give them tools to fix something, but if you help them fix a problem that doesn't fix, that doesn't provide a better solution, like, they're just going to feel worse about it, which might go and create this whole like like you'd mentioned the disenfranchised like ex-religious person who's just like well everything's bad like no religion can be good or no christianity can be good or there can be no nothing good taken from what i grew up in because i experienced something bad and maybe i even tried again and just it didn't fix me um but it might be i'm not telling someone what they should or shouldn't do um maybe like yeah, it's just not working for you. Or maybe also like you've just got some other stuff under the hood going on and you're trying to 
fix one thing with another thing. And it's just it's a square peg in a round hole, you know, and it's always going to feel a little rough if you try to force that in without finding out why it doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I've never like had a therapist, so I'm really, you know, talking out of my bum here. But it seems to me one interesting difference between like therapy and what I do. I'm only comparing these two fields because like it's us two talking, but with with writing, you can pick any group of people and write a book that says all the things that are going to please that group of people and you can sell a lot of it. And, and I'm not even saying you're doing that dishonestly. Like you can, you can believe in what you're saying, but that still doesn't make it true. And in therapy, obviously like you're, you're dealing with two human beings too. So it, you might stumble on things that aren't true or that aren't even effective you know, but that I think speaks more to like incompetence. But the interesting thing is that like it seems in in a good counseling relationship, the client and the therapist aren't going to be satisfied unless things actually start getting better. So I guess I guess it's a little bit more like embodied, whereas writing is a lot more like disembodied. You're dealing with ideas and you're putting them out in the universe and like you might believe them but you're a little bit more removed from like you're not actually hearing you're not there as people read your words and you're not actually going to like see the cause and effect so i don't it's just like an interesting dynamic i mm. guess mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm what i'm really pointing at here but no it, the the dynamic between the two is really interesting and like i think Obviously, there's a lot of therapy techniques that are more disembodied as well. Like, you know, a lot of psychodynamic theory is very disembodied. But, you know, that's why it and some theories that build off of it, like, are really good working with personality disorders. Because it's not necessarily about the body. It's about the thoughts Mm. and the feelings and the whys. Um, But that's why, like, CBT and BT are really good when working with like depression and anxiety because sometimes that does have to do with your body and what's going on and and but sometimes it's it's a mixture you know sometimes it's body and brain so it's it's a i think that's why it's important to have kind of like a toolkit when working with therapy but that is very different than you know trying to write something that's going to relate with somebody who you might like never meet yeah huh I get the, I at least get the benefit of having the person in front of me and be like, okay, what do I think is best for this person? And that is the episode. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you guys on the next one.